Okay, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to start today. But before I, I read anything yet, I want to ask you some questions. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt that the world is not what the world could be or should be? When you look around, you think, man... No, we're not what we could be as people in society at large. You ever feel that way? I see somebody nodding your head. Yeah, I felt that way this morning. <laughs> right? Feels beyond repair sometimes. I mean, isn't God going to swoop in and fix this? I mean, I'd love it if he just swooped in. Well, I mean, I know he's going to one day, but what about right now? What about in the meantime? I mean, we read in the Bible that one day he's going to come in and, I mean, just new heaven, new earth, right? New everything. But in the meantime, isn't he doing anything? Maybe you've even thought, isn't that what the church's role is supposed to be? Isn't the church supposed to be God's organization on this planet? I mean, acting out and living out what God would want to have happen on this planet? Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Or maybe you felt uh, that the church... Uh, Denise, could I have you click on the center so that I can have control? Yeah, it'll be blank now. That's fine. Um... Have you ever felt this way about the church, maybe? The church isn't what it could be or should be. Have you ever thought that about the church? All right. Maybe the messed upness of the world seems to have kind of infiltrated the church as well. And you kind of look at the church and you're like, man, this place isn't better than anywhere else. And the church is composed of sinners, we know that. So it should be expected to find sinful people in churches. But shouldn't there be some difference? maybe, in the church? I mean, we've seen a decline. I think many of us have seen it. The, the longer we've been around, we've seen a decline in, in the church's morality, maybe even in the church's generosity, right? Their kindness towards people. Sometimes the church seems to be the harshest group of people around. That's not right. Uh, quite frankly, have you ever thought this way about yourself? I know I'm not what I should be. I know what I'm not what I could be. Maybe you've grown pretty con- content with the person you are, but somewhere nagging in the back of your head, you're like, I know I'm not what I should be. And maybe even right now you're thinking, I know I need, I need to be more fill in the blank. I need to be more this. I need to be more that. Maybe I need to be more diligent. I need to be less lazy. I need to be more, you know, less angry. I need to be a little bit more kind or, or whatever the, the thing may be. You fill in the blank and there's, there's things just, ah. I think the whole planet has felt this way to one degree or another. I mean, this, this world, apart from just our church, this world is filled with rabbis and gurus and leaders and all kinds of people that are saying, I think we can fix it this way. And some of them have done a great job. Some people have made a huge beneficial impact and they've become our heroes. I love Abraham Lincoln for one, right? I think he was a great man. And, and there, there's a lot of other people who, regardless of what, religiously speaking, for just a moment, there's a lot of people who have, and maybe we look at them and like, man, this is this guy, I'd love to be the, maybe it's not a public figure, maybe it's somebody personal, you you know one person that just made a difference in your life, and you think, I'd, I'd like to be just like that person, all right? I'm going to follow in their steps. Well, the thing is, in Christianity, it's not meant to be that much different, so I'm going to put this statement up there. Right at the very core of true Christianity, what Christianity is all about is this concept or this idea of discipleship. 
right? Discipleship. And I'll explain what that means. At its roots, though, Christianity is all about being disciples, followers of somebody. Today, that's a bit of a foreign concept to think about disciples. But right at its very core, that's what Christianity is all about. Let me show you this, fa- this passage of Scripture I've, I've talked about before, Acts eleven twenty six. Now, there's a whole backstory here, so the first part of the verse, you're not going to, you know, what's he talking about? There's a group of people in Antioch, and they were preaching there, and, and it says this. It says, for a whole year, they met with the church and, and taught a great many people. But listen to this little tidbit of information at the end, little historical fact for you. And in Antioch, the city in Antioch, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, here's a, here's a word that probably, you could probably go any place on the planet and, and use the word Christian, and most everybody would know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, Christians. They may have a, oh, Christians, or they may have, oh, yeah, Christians, or I don't know. There could be a lot of different opinions about it, but here, here's a word, and th- where did that word start? It didn't start with the church. It started with other people. We're calling the people in Antioch Christians. I mean, think about this. This means that the term Christian was originally a slang term to describe these disciples, these followers of Jesus. Isn't that, that just, that's amazing to me. Christian started off as a slang term. It was used to describe. The word Christian literally means little Christs, right? They'd heard who Jesus was. And so basically what they were saying, it's like a bunch of little, the people of Antioch were like, it's a bunch of little Jesuses walking all over the place in this town. Right? They were disciples. The thing is, this means to really understand Christianity, we need to think about what does it mean to be a disciple? Because that's what Christians are. Christians are disciples. For me, I've looked at Christianity as Christian, but disciple was like an extra thing, an extra measure. But at its very core, Christianity is all about being a disciple. To, to look at this idea of disciple, we could think about uh, for Jewish times at this time, what, what did a disciple talk about? And for them, it was about a rabbi and his students. If you know what a discipleship is like, look at a rabbi and his students, right? You got the rabbi, you got the students. The disciple wanted to be just like the rabbi. He wanted to do, if the, the rabbi is doing this, I want to do this. And so you see that going on in Antioch. Why were they all acting like a bunch of little Jesus? Because that was their rabbi, and he wasn't physically present, but they wanted to be just like him. Right? This is also why you see people like Peter. He sees Jesus walking on water. And what's Peter do? Does he go, wow, that's amazing. I'm glad he can do that. What's he do? Come on, you guys know the story. He wants to do it too. Well, why did he want to do that? Because he saw, my rabbi's walking on water. I want to walk on water. Right? If that's you, really you, Jesus, my rabbi, I'm coming out there. Because if my rabbi's doing it, I'm doing it. Right? This is why you also see his disciples wanting to perform miracles and coming back to the rabbi. Hey, we had trouble with this particular one. How do we do that? How do you, right? Because we want to be just like you. We want to follow you. You're the rabbi. Okay? These things, Jesus was the rabbi. and It was ultimately about, Christians are about being followers of Jesus. Uh, In Ephesians, we just ended uh, a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, which says this. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And notice this right here at the end. As, or just like, who? God. See, this, this idea of discipleship permeates all of Christianity. Trying and seeking to be like God. And we're constantly pointing back to that. In fact, the very next verse, Ephesians 5.1, says this. Uh, Paul says, therefore, because of this, that's what the therefore is there. You see, what's it there for? The therefore, 
because of this, you're, you're trying to be like God. He said, just says it. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, as children that are loved by this heavenly Father. Be an imitator of Him, right? And so let me put. Let me just put we need to be God imitators, seeking to be just like Him. In fact, Paul says, like children. You know, uh, it, it, I think a lot about how with our with our kids, it, you, you see them wanting to emulate our behavior sometimes. Have you ever seen that with with young boys, especially the, if the, the relationship was good with the dad? They're like, man, I want to be just like dad, and I want to I want to dress like dad and act like dad and sound like dad and and everything else. Right? If dad's shaven, you see the picture of the little boy. If, you know, the dad's shaven and the little boy's up there. He has no hair in his face, but he's up there shaving. Or it could be the other way around. The dad's got a big old beard. What's the son want to do? He wants to have a big old beard. If you ever wonder, why does Matt have a beard? Why does he always want to grow a beard right here? See, my dad always had a beard. Look at that. It's Grizzly Adams. Look at him. <laughs> that big old beard, right? I wanted to be just like my dad. And so I couldn't wait till I could grow hair on my face because that's what my dad did. He's like, he's like oh, I'm always picking on him, all right? Right? But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like dad. And this is what, this is what Paul's talking about. Like dearly loved children. Want to be like their dad? That's what you need to be like with your heavenly father. Now, now sometimes as you get older, your 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 dad. Sometimes there's things that you, 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 you. I don't know if I want to be quite like that, you know. And and but you know, I'm frankly okay with that. I want my kids to emulate the good stuff. But there's some stuff I'm like, I hope they're not like that, right? There's these positive things. I want them to get my good characteristics and ditch all the bad ones, right? The thing is, our heavenly father has no bad characteristics. We can seek to be like him with no hesitation. He's our Heavenly Father who's infinitely good, infinitely wise. And we can go and we can look at what's God like. I want to be just like him. And I want to follow after him. But now, this brings up one of the first challenges that we face in, this, in, in, in Christianity today. Is some people we see this and we see Paul demonstrating this and all throughout Scripture this idea of being a follower, being a disciple of of Christ and being a follower and seeking to imitate God. But frankly, our culture has affected us. This concept of following and imitation and being a disciple has kind of been lost a little bit on us. In, in fact, it, and I want to call this. I'm going to put a title here for this. Uh, there's some people who look at Christianity and the following aspect has been lost, and so I'm going to call these people unrealized followers. Unrealized followers. Now let me explain what I mean. There's a lot of other little words that you see show up in Christianity that have been affected by our culture. See, we live in a world that has things affecting us, right? And, and so let me tell you a couple of them. Uh, the concept of belief. The concept of belief. You talk to the typical person about belief. And, and the concept of belief has been boiled down, especially when it connects to Christianity. The concept of belief has been boiled down to a simple head acknowledgement. I believe this exists. But for the, for the Jewish mind, when they would have thought about believing, when Jesus said things like, whosoever believes in me, and he's not talking about just saying, I believe you exist, or I believe that he did this, I believe it happened. There's something a lot bigger he's talking about. See, the Jewish mind, to believe in something was an adherence to something, right? I believe, I mean, it's, we still say it the right way sometimes. I'll say, I believe in you, Right? It, it, to, to believe in something is where all of your hopes and all of your dreams have been placed. That's what it means to believe in something. And so to believe in Jesus is not just about saying, I believe he exists. It's about saying, I, I believe. Everything is riding on this. 
this one thing. I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm depending entirely in this. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. It's not as simple just to head and acknowledge it. But yet in our culture, that's, that's, that's happened. And people will say, I'm a Christian because I believe that he exists. And that's not at all what the Bible teaches, ever. Being a Christian is about believing in him. You see this in the word faith. Now, in the Greek language, the word believe and the word faith are basically the same word. But you see the same thing has happened to this concept of faith. Faith has been watered down so much. See, for a Jew, the, the, the object of the faith was more important than the faith itself. Kind of like if, I, I used this example a few weeks ago. If you saw a frozen pond, right, the, the object was more important. If I believe that the ice is thick enough to hold me, it, it doesn't matter how much I believe that, does it? It's either going to hold me or not. The object is more important. What is actually is this actually worthy of my faith and trust? Right? The object is more important than the faith. And you see Jesus teaching this, don't you? What's he say? You want to move a mountain? Faith like a mustard seed. It's not about how much faith you have. But see, what, what's happened to this idea of faith? Faith has been, in fact, it's been watered down so much that many times we talk about faith as this feeling of trust. Right? And in fact, the emphasis has been put on you having faith. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. That's, that's, not how, that's not how they thought in the Bible. And so when the Bible talks about faith, it's talking about uh, the object, not just the, how much you are feeling it. And so these things have filtered into uh, our society, and we have this idea of these, these unrealized followers. That, that, yeah, I can be a, a Christian. And I, I love, uh, my, my wife has uh, gone to see her brother get baptized now, but I love my, my wife now. She, when she's talking to people, she doesn't ask people, are they Christians anymore? She'll say, are you a follower of Jesus? Right? That is so much more, especially in our society. See, the word Christian has been tainted by, by, by all of our cultural influences. So I think it's a great way to bring about really asking, are you really a Christian? Is to say, are you a follower? Are, is all of your hopes and dreams been placed in Jesus Christ? Is your faith, your entire worldview, how you see everything, been put in Jesus? That's what it means to have faith. Now, Paul takes this next step, and I'm going to go this next step past these, these unrealized followers. Cause, so this is a big issue, and frankly, I've talked about this a lot at Edgewood. What does faith really look like? And I've talked about it, so I don't, I don't want to keep, keep going down that path because there's something bigger here that we can't miss. Paul, in the very next verse, Ephesians 5, 2, says this. He says, And walk in love. Okay, so he just said, Be imitators of God, as dearly loved children. Then he turns around and he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, in order to explain what this means, okay, and, and kind of try to pull all this together, I want to go back to Genesis for a minute. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, we can read this. Then God, this is verses 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. It goes on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You are an image bearer. You bear the very image of God. You're in his likeness. God created us to be like him. Now, when sin came into the world, that image was not lost completely. It was, it was distorted. It was marred because of sin. But it hasn't been lost completely. You are still an image bearer of God. This is why passages, though, uh, like Romans 8, 28 and 29. 
Romans 8, 28 and 29 talks about God's purposes for his children, people that love him. And he says one of the purposes that he wants to work in us is to transform us, it says, to the image of Christ. See, Jesus is the very image of God. He's the picture of what we should be. I heard one person put it this way. A lot of times we think we're all normal and Jesus is like way up here. And that's not, that's not truthful. Jesus is what we're supposed to be and we're way down here. Right? He is what a human being is meant to be. And that's why we're called to be like Jesus. If we want to know what it means to be an imitator of God, the person that we have to look at that demonstrates this for us is the person of Jesus Christ. What was he like? What does he do? And so I want to say this. Um, and, 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 and this kind of pulls it together here. You will never be what God created you to be until you start to be more like Jesus. Let's say that again. I'll tell you what. I'll say the first line. You say the second line. I'll say the third line. And you say the fourth line. Ready? You will never be until you start to be all right, now let's say it the other way. You start, and I'll say the second line. Okay, you guys go. You will what God created you to be, more like Jesus. You were creating God's image, but the image is distorted. And the way to be more what you were created to be is to be like Jesus. The full potential of what a human being can be can only be realized in the person of Jesus, being like him. And you will never be. What God created you to be until you learn to be and you start to be more like Jesus. It's not going to happen. What was Jesus like? Well, in that verse we just read in in Ephesians, I'm going to summarize it this way. It was a lifestyle of extensive, selfless love. What did Paul say about him? He said, and walk in love. A walk is a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle of love. Your walk is what you're all about. Jesus' walk was characterized by love. And notice it was selfless. What, what, did he give him, what did he give? He gave himself. Right? It was a selfless love. And notice what else. It says it's a fragrant offering. A, a fragrant offering is, the word that's used there is usually used to describe in the Jewish culture an offering that wasn't a, a bloody sacrifice. There were sacrifices that involved blood, but there was other sacrifices that didn't involve blood being shed. And that was the fragrant offering. And you look through the Old Testament, you see these offerings that were fragrant. And Jesus' life, and so this is referring to Jesus' life. See, Jesus had this, this point on the cross, but leading up to this, Jesus lived a righteous life. He offered up his whole life. The reason why you can stand before God justified and, and right, because God is a just judge, and nobody gets off scot-free, is this. The wrath that you deserve has been poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. But see, you still need to be righteous. You still need a righteous life. Where's that going to come from? Jesus did it. See, he, lived, he was born, he lived righteously, and then he died. And the whole righteous life, the Bible uses the word imputed. It's imputed to you. You're given righteousness. Where'd that righteous life come from? So you have a whole life from birth to death that's righteous. How'd you get that? Jesus did it for you. He lived it for you. He suffered through life for you. And Jesus gives him himself. He's a fragrant offering because he's righteous. But notice as well, it's also a sacrifice because he went all the way to the cross 
And so if you want to know what God wants you to be, what he created you to be, you have to look at the person of Jesus and how he lived a life of selfless, sacrificial, right, extensive love. That is what God has created you to be like. And to, to see that manifested in you, you must go down this road. Are you willing to follow Jesus there? I mean, all the way to the cross. Are you willing to follow him there? You remember a gung-ho Peter wanted to walk on the water because the rabbi was? Yeah? Well, I want you to listen to this disciple, Peter, as, as Jesus tells him the next step on the path. Jesus begins, there are several times that Jesus predicts his death. Listen to this first time. Uh, this is in, uh, I don't have the reference here. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. Jesus says, or the, uh, Matthew says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, his followers, right, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. His followers that want to be just like him, how do they respond to this? Now, Peter, I love, you got to love Peter. Peter takes him aside. Can you see this? Jesus, Jesus, right? Takes him aside. Jesus, listen, it's not going to happen, Right? Far be it from you, Lord, that this should ever happen. So can you imagine pulling Jesus aside? <laughs> the guy that tells storms to stop and walks on water and, and turns a few pieces of bread into, you know, enough to feed a, several thousand people. I'm going to pull him aside. That's what Peter did. you got to love him, don't you? Think, think through his mind, though. See, he's a follower, isn't he? So you're following somebody. They go, hey, you want to know where we're going next? Yeah, sure. How much longer before we get there? Oh, I'm going to a cross. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. See, Peter understood what it means to be a follower. I'm going to be just like Jesus, and you're going to a cross? Really? That's where we're headed next? Yeah. Right? How does Jesus respond to his like, whoa, 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 I don't know about this. How does Jesus respond? Let's do this next verse. But he turned and said to Peter, That's not a very good decision, Peter. I think you need to grow in this a little bit. Is that what he said? No. He turned to Peter and said, Get behind me. Who? Satan. That thought that Peter had of saying, Whoa, I know you're the rabbi, but I think I should steer the ship from this point on, Jesus, because you're going down the wrong path. That, that speaking into Jesus' decision and saying, you're going the wrong way, that is not a God-centered viewpoint. That is a man-centered viewpoint, and it comes from the very heart of who Satan is, because that is exactly what Satan wanted to do himself. He wanted to be God. And when we reject the authority, the rabbi, what we're doing is we're saying, I want to be God. I want to take that spot. Get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Right? To be a true disciple would mean Peter would have to go to the cross as well. And just so there's no confusion about it, listen to the very next thing. See, Jesus understood this as well. Listen to the very next thing that Jesus says. He says, then Jesus told his disciples, all of them, hey, just so nobody misses this, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to a cross, and if you're a follower, you're going to the cross too. 
Because that's what followers do. They follow the rabbi. So let's put it this way. To be a follower of Jesus, even today, to be a follower of Jesus, crosses will be involved. You're not going to get out scot-free. There are crosses for you. Take up your cross. What is it? This leads me to a, a, a second uh, concern. I, I called it unfulfilled followers. Uh, my original name for this, I'll get to in a minute, but we're going to call it unfulfilled followers. Are people who are following in many ways, but it's not. There's something missing. Okay, I'm going to go back to the garden again, and to the fall of mankind. What was the original wrong turn? What happened? Let's go back to Genesis chapter three, verses one through six. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He was a sneaky one, wasn't he? And he goes to the woman. He said, "Woman." Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So he's questioning God's authority. Did he, actually, did he really say that? Is that what he really said? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And she'd already kind of started to fall into his, his plan here because he's questioning God. And she's starting to think, yeah, this doesn't seem right. And he said, don't touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. See, she's kind of getting worked up at this point, isn't she? But listen to this. Don't miss what's being said right in the middle here. This same person who we know was created in the image of God. In his likeness, God created them. Male and female. Adam and Eve. God created them in his likeness. Listen, though, to what Satan says. But the servant said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You will be like God. Well, she was already created in the image of God, the likeness of God. But that's not enough, Eve. You get to be your own God. You will be like God. It's immediately after this that Eve, no other statements are made. Eve takes of the fruit, looks at it, looks good, smells good. I bet it tastes good. Adam doesn't do anything to protect his wife. He eats, eats of it too. You know, we can be good genuinely good and, and, and emulate God. In His infinite goodness, we can seek to be good. We can show love and compassion like God. We can, we can be creative. And we can use our creativity in beneficial ways. We can actually make things out of nothing, but almost any child on this planet can create whole worlds in his head. Right? God has made us this way. We're in His image and in His likeness. But at the end of the day, there's a difference. We're not God. See, there's one, one aspect. Now, there's other aspects. Like, we, we can't be everywhere, right? We're not all powerful. But I think maybe the most important attribute of God that we cannot seek to be like is to be the one that's king. There's only one God, and it's not you. And to reject his authority is to reject him. There's a difference between being in his likeness and imitating him. Think about it this way. You know, so cute when our kids seek to imitate us, right? Be like us. Imagine Josiah here. Imagine he walks up to me right in the middle of church and comes up here and he says, Daddy, I think it's time for you to be quiet now. 
I, I, I might get mad just thinking about it. He hasn't even done it. You're in trouble, mister. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't do anything. Or imagine my son Samuel. Where did he go? Is he not feeling good? Oh, Children's Church, that's right. Oh, what a good kid. Uh, say, say he walked up to me. I'm, I'm going to be mad at him now, though. Let's say Samuel walked up to me, and, you know, it's school day. He said, no, Dad. I don't think I'm going to do my homework right now. And don't forget, Dad, to take out the trash. You better not forget. See, I'm mad at him now, too. Just thinking about it. What's happened? It's one thing when they're seeking to imitate us, but there's a difference when they go to the next step, isn't it? Let me put it this way. It's a fine line between being a God imitator and being your own imitation God. That's a fine line. On the outside, it could look very similar at first, right? I mean, on the outside, you could have two people and both of them are looking like they're doing good things and you're trying to emulate God-type things and characteristics and qualities. But there's a difference. God imitators know who God is and are obedient like children. Imitation gods take the next step and they take the role of authority. In fact, I would say the truest test and seeking to be like God and being a God imitator is what about the cross? Right? Your cross, as Jesus put it. Are you willing to take up your cross? If you aren't, Jesus says, then you can't be a real follower. Let me go back to our statement. You will never be what God created you to be until you learn to be continually more like Jesus. And this means going to the cross. You know, Peter eventually understood this. Peter eventually got it. He didn't get it right right away, did he? I mean, when they first came to get Jesus, who's the guy that pulls the sword and cuts off a soldier's ear? Peter. Jesus picks it up and puts it back on. <laughs> I love the humor of the Bible. So I just, you know, Peter, come really? Sorry. You know, put it back on. Peter's the one that then takes off. They may get him. I'm not, you can't, they can't do that to me. I got a sword and I got some fast legs. I'm out of here. Right? Not willing to follow. Been a follower. Willing to try to walk on water and the, the great things. But when it came right down to it, he wasn't quite there. But he eventually got it. In one of Peter's letters, he wrote this. And he was talking about suffering. And he put this in 1 Peter 2.21. He says, For to this you have been called to suffer, is what he's talking about. Because Christ also suffered for you. Notice what he says. Leaving you an example so that you might follow, there it is, in his steps. You're called by God to suffer. This is what he's called you to. Adam and Eve's decision in the garden to be their own king, to make their own decisions, to be imitation gods, led to the fall of creation and the fall of mankind. It was detrimental. It was destructive. Though in some ways they may have thought it was good. And we're all still suffering the fallout from that, aren't we? But the truth is, you also suffer not just because of Adam and Eve's sin, but when you seek to be your own God you will suffer the same types of fallout. God's God, you're not. 
Are you willing to submit to His authority and let Him be God and follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? Jesus, the second Adam, the Bible calls Him the second Adam, He made a decision in the garden as well. When He was sitting there pondering the weight of what He was getting ready to face, His cross, and, and beyond the suffering of the cross, the, the reality of the suffering of, of taking all of mankind's sin upon Himself and suffering the wrath of God. And when He thought about that, he said to God, may this cup pass from me. But what did he say next? But not my will, yours be done. Right? Not my will, but yours. Leaving us an example that we should follow. And here's the thing. You bear the very image of God. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have the aspect of the divine on them. But you will never be. Right? But God created you to be. You will never see that realized, fulfilled, until you learn to be continually more like Jesus. Let's say it one more time. You will never be. This time, let's do this. I'm going to say a line, then you repeat it. You will never be what God created you to be until you learn to be continually more like Jesus. I had to get the last rhyme in there. And it's true. You're created with that spark of the divine, right, in His image, but you will never be what God created you to be until you learn to be like Jesus. So let me ask you this. What's your cross? Now, I've got some... If you want to go ahead and start passing those out right now, you can make Josiah help you if you want. Give him a stack. You can get the other side. Um... What's your cross? What is it? Do you have a limit like Peter? God, I'll go this far, but no farther. You're going to the cross, I'm not going there. I'd love to be a follower of Jesus, but unless he leads me to this place. All right? Let me ask you it this way. You guys are, you guys are all ADD. You're all looking at my dad passing those things out. <laughs> I'm watching you all. What, what's he got? What is it? I'll wait a minute because I want your full attention here. There we go. I'll let you, you can watch him, pass them all out. Keep your eyes on him. There you go. I'll wait. I have to do this at school too. If I'm trying to pass something out, they can't pay attention to anything I'm saying. You guys are just like a bunch of kids. Oh, we're almost done. There we go. You guys are such good students. All right, I think we got everybody. What's your cross? Don't put anything down yet. You may already have something, but hold on. Do you have a limit like Peter does? Go this far, but no farther? Let me, let me ask you a few questions. What won't you be? Let me explain. You say, I, I, I love Jesus, I love to follow Jesus, but if, if the path of following Jesus means I'm going to be poor, I'm not going there. Or maybe it's, I don't want to be the outcast. I'll follow Jesus, but if following Jesus means I'm going to be an outcast in the group. I mean, a serious sold-out follower, sometimes they can be rejected by their families. Can't they? By other people, they start to look at you and they think, man, you're a nutcase. I don't, Lord, I, I want to follow you, but I don't, I'm not willing to go there. I mean, don't make me go there. Well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the outcast in the group. 
Maybe you say, I won't be content. I want more. How about this one? I won't be second. I'm not going to be second. No way. I'm not going to be less. How about this one? What won't you give up? What is it in your life you say, I, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus? Yes, okay. But what, what is it that you say, I, I'll be a follower, but I mean, if you ask me this, I'm not doing it. Give up that? No. Maybe it's your entertainment. I don't know. Maybe it's your downtime. I got to have my downtime, my me time. I'm not giving up my me time. I don't care what Jesus calls me to do. I want my me time. Maybe it's your dreams. We don't talk like that very often, but the white picket fence. I'll follow Jesus, but it better at the end of the day, I better have a white picket fence, perfect retirement plan, and the picture perfect life. If my following Jesus doesn't lead there, I'm not following him. I will make my own path. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Are you willing to follow him? No matter what he says, and no matter where he leads you, no matter where he takes your life, or is he God, or are you? Where are you willing to go? What won't you give up? Maybe it's addictions. Can't give up that. I'm not giving up that. I don't care what God wants of me. What won't you do? Maybe it's in the sense of I cannot handle that I can't do it God don't take me down this path I can't handle that don't make me do it Lord I can't handle it where won't you go I'm not going to go to that person no way I'm done with that person in my life forget it I'm not going to go and make amends. I'm not going to seek to, to do what I need to do. No way. You read the Bible about forgiveness. We were talking about that in Sunday school today. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I get it, but I'm not doing it. What won't you lose? can't lose my health. God, I'm willing to follow you anywhere, but don't, don't take my health away. What I've struggled with much of my life is my children. Lord, I'm, I'll follow you. To, just don't take my kids away. Don't want to lose my kids. Love them. Don't let me lose that. I can't lose control. Sometimes it's just a simple matter of control. I've got to steer this ship because I know what's best. Are you willing to lose control and let God steer the ship? What's your cross? What I'd like you to do is maybe as I'm talking through these things, there's that thing. You know God wants you to do this. You know God wants to take you down that path. I, w- I want to challenge you to right now, right on that cross, what is it? What's the thing? I mean, you're, you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but, but if it means to go to that place, I don't want to do it. Well, according to Christ, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, then you're not actually a follower. You're not a disciple. Jesus wasn't trying to be mean. He, just, he was just talking facts. Followers follow. If you're unwilling to take up your cross and follow, 
not really a disciple. You may have thought you were. But reality is you're not a God imitator. You're an imitation God because you want to stand in that place and say, no, I'm, I'm going to steer my destiny. I want to steer where thing, how things turn out. I want to be in control. Are you willing to take that to put it down? Maybe it's loss of health. Lord, you want me to suffer with this? I'll take it. I've had to come to places in my life where I've had to say to God, Lord, may it never be. If if the path that you want to take me down for your glory is the loss of one of my kids, God, you're God, not me. You're God. I'm I'm willing to take that cross. If If that's the cross that you want from me, I'm willing to take it. What is your cross? Write it down. Be willing right now to say, Lord, I'm willing to take it. Be willing to to, to, to go down that that path doesn't mean you're going, golly, I hope that happens. It's just a willingness of saying, Lord, I'm willing to go down whatever path you want. I want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be a true disciple because disciples are called Christians. And so let's say it one last time. I'm going to change the words up on you a little bit. You will never be what God created you to be until you agree to follow Jesus to your cross. And until you're willing to do that, until you agree and say, God, I'm willing to do this, until you agree with Him, you'll never be what God created you to be. And I hope you're writing something down. I want to encourage you to maybe put that, after you write down, put it in your Bible. When you open up your Bible, it'll be there. Now, if you don't read your Bible very often, <laughs> put it in your, your purse or in your, your wallet or put it somewhere and remind, remember, Lord, I, 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 especially if it's something that you, if you wrote down something you said, I'm not willing to take this cross. And go to God with it and say, Lord, I'm having a hard time with this one. Be willing to go to Him and say, Lord, this is, this is big. This is really big. But Lord, I, I want to be a follower. So I'm going to say it. I'm nervous about saying it because I'm afraid that if I say that I could take this, you might do it. That's not how it works, by the way. God's not a, a tricky guy that's just waiting for you to say that you're willing to handle something, then he's going to give it to you. That's not how it works. Be willing to say, Lord, if this is what you want, I'll do it. And pray over it this week. Get it out. Lord, I'm willing to follow you wherever you want to lead. You want me to go down this path? I'll take it. You want me to suffer this challenge? I'll do it. Because I want to be a follower. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we we may be coming to you this morning hesitantly because crosses are not easy. They're hard, and they're painful. They're suffering. Lord, we know that you went to a cross setting an example for us to be followers. Lord, I pray that this church, the people that are here today, Lord, in Antioch so long ago, people were emulating you so much and so well that that the, the city began to call those people Christians. 
They're a bunch of little Jesuses, a bunch of little Christs. Oh, Lord, if we would as a church pull together and say, Lord, we're willing to be just like you. Lord, people know the word Christian already, but maybe we might have such an impact that people would say, oh, so that's what a Christian is. Now I see. Lord, help us to redefine that term by our lives and live it out. To be willing to take up our cross and follow you. Lord, I know that this is hard. Lord, I know that the crosses that people may have written down may be huge and seem overwhelming. But I also know that you're the God of the universe that holds galaxies in his hand. There's nothing impossible with you. I pray, God, that we would be willing to follow you to our own crosses. To be true Christians. Lord, I pray all these things because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I thank you for what he accomplished on the cross, living out a fragrant offering and then being a sacrifice for us. Help us to now in turn live for him. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.